Father God, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship and sing and pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for everything that you've done for us. Lord, as we enter into this moment of reading your word and really just contemplating whether or not we're going to allow you in. It's not a matter of whether or not your spirit is here. It's not a matter of whether or not you want to work and move in us because you do and you are present everywhere. But God, it's just a matter of whether or not we are willing to let you in our hearts and let you work and move. Jesus, as we sit here this morning, is as most of these people are standing. Lord, they have to make a decision. I have to make a decision this morning as to whether or not I'm going to give you access to all of my heart, all of my mind, all of who I am. And that doesn't just mean right now in this moment, but it means to even consider giving you that same access when we leave this room. The same access Monday through Saturday. The same access we make every single decision because, God, you want all of us. You bled and died so that you could have us as your own people. And Jesus, I pray that you'd remind us once again today as we gather that it's not enough that we just come on a Sunday morning. It's not enough that we just do the little routine things. But God, that we are devoted to you and we are sold out and we are committed to you every day of our lives. And Jesus, I just I pray that each of us right now would just make a commitment. Say, God, I may not understand what it means. I may not understand everything that you require of me, but right now in my heart and my life, God, I just, I want to give you all that I am. I want to open myself up to you. I want to be changed by you because I just know in my heart that right now I'm not where I need to be. Jesus, we just give you ourselves, our hearts, our lives, because it's always been yours anyway. And Father, as we move on in, in our series and we talk, I just pray that you would reveal to us truth. Help us to see and understand things maybe we've never seen and understood before. And help us to be willing to commit to do what you've called us to do into the future. Lord, we lift up Miss Connie Fine to you this morning as she's not feeling well. We pray for her and Bruce and God should be with them. Pray for Ed and Ruth as they're away with their grandchild being baptized today. God, thank you for that. Just bless that moment, that time together. Thank you for building your kingdom. God, I pray for Mr. West as he's got a funeral this afternoon. We pray that you give him the words to say for this family who's lost a loved one. Lord, we give you ourselves and we, we just pray that you would be with us today in, in a special way. Help us to be pleasing and honoring to you. Lord, we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.
Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. I know it's rainy outside. Um, thank you for braving the weather to come out and to worship. I hope that you're not too tired. I know on days like this, people get a little groggy. And there's, uh, I've already seen some people yawning. It's definitely a day for napping. But we are in week seven of our stewardship series. I warned you guys weeks ago that we would be talking about money today. So if you forgot, it's your own fault. If you came here, hopefully you come expecting and ready to uh, hear a good word from the Lord. Um, but when we talk about money, you know, the, the staff can tell you, we've talked about this over several weeks. I, I've dreaded this day. I do not enjoy talking about money from a church perspective because I know um, I, I, I have not always been a Christian. I know the conversations that go on out in the secular world about money being tied to church and the expectations and the thoughts among people who aren't involved in church with money. And I know there's a, a huge stigmatism for that to kind of be this dirty, necessary evil. But I, I want us to understand this morning <clears throat> um, that money is is extremely important in our lives. And you know this because the world moves and works off of it. And in our culture and our society, we have been groomed to to desire this thing called money. And when you actually think about it from what we understand money to be, like this paper, because hopefully like you, you value the paper more than you do the coins. So, so we value the paper um, that we carry around our pockets. It has serial numbers on it. And it simply just says that this is worth this much money, even though like you could strike a match to it and it'd be gone in less than a second. It really is amazing how much emphasis we place on something that can be gone in a matter of seconds. And really, it's only worth what people tell you it's worth, but yet our entire lives revolve around this. You get up, you go to work, maybe some of you have worked your whole lives and now you're retired, but you spent most of your life working around this whole concept of how are you going to bring this money in so that this can benefit you and you can use it in your life. And there's a lot of phrases uh, uh, surrounding money. I'm going to say some of these. Just raise your hand if you've heard some of these phrases before. Anybody ever heard time is money? All right. How about I want to get the most bang for my buck? Right? All right. How about health is wealth? Have you ever heard that one? Okay. Um, money talks and it walks. I'll just say it because it's, you know, well, it is what it is. It's a pretty popular saying. Um, <clears throat> money doesn't grow on trees. How many of you heard that as a kid? All right. Um, and put, my favorite is put your money where your mouth is. Right? Money is very important. And it, it really is a way to kind of solidify what's important to us. Um, because there's this understanding of, of how necessary it is in our lives. And the truth is, is that as we sit here today, you and I should not be surprised that God would call us to treat money differently than the rest of the world. Now that sounds kind of simple and elementary, but I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, God has called us to come out of the world, to separate ourselves, and to be holy. And if He's done that for all areas of our life, why should we be surprised that God would not call us and expect us to handle something like money very differently than the way the world does? To view it differently, to treat it differently, and to handle it differently. Now, I also think it's important that you realize how how money is very much a spiritual thing. And that might be 
a little far stretched for some of you, but if you think about it, money is very much a spiritual thing. Actually, when you sit down and you begin to read the four Gospels and you look at what Jesus taught about and what he talked about, Jesus spent a significant amount of time talking about money because it is such a huge part of our lives. And when you look at it, of the 40 parables that he used to explain the kingdom of heaven, to explain how to grow in your relationship with Christ, the things that God expects from us, out of those 40 parables, over one-fourth of them deal with money. Not to mention that when you go digging around through the Gospels, that he talks about money more than he does faith and prayer combined which is really significant because here's Jesus who very much advocated for prayer, who led the example by him praying constantly and pulling away to pray and have that relationship with the Lord, but also teaching on prayer and then talking about faith. I mean, when you think about faith in, in Scripture, it's like in the, excuse me, in the Gospels, faith is mentioned constantly. Jesus talks about faith is what saves you. Your faith has made you well. And yet he talks about money more than he does faith combined. And I want you to know it's not because he wants your money. I want you to think about this. Here's, Here's Jesus who was homeless, who had nothing. He talked about didn't even have a place to lay his head. Okay, he never went after money. He never chased after money. In fact, he, he pushed away from those things significantly. So the fact that Jesus talked about money is not because He wants your money. You think about what we say that we believe about God. You know, I say it all the time, but I do think it's important for us to remind ourselves, okay, we say we believe in God, but what do we believe about the God we say we believe in? And if God is the creator of all things, if He does own all things, then why does God need your money if technically it's His anyway? If you are His, why would He need your money? Because the truth is that the opportunity for us to be good stewards with money is not something that we have to benefit God, but rather the opportunity to give is a benefit for us. And a good analogy of that is just thinking about the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is one of those things mentioned in the Old Testament. It's Old Testament law, and it's one of the Ten Commandments to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. But when Jesus is teaching on it, He says, look, the Sabbath was not created for God. The Sabbath was created for man. It's of your benefit for you to honor the Sabbath and get the rest and experience what it's like to have that. And not only will it improve your physical life, but it will improve your spiritual life. The Sabbath is for you. Well, the opportunity for you to give and to be a good steward with your finances is a gift for you to benefit from. It's not for God. There's nothing you can give to God that He can't do on His own. And sometimes we just need to okay, what do I actually believe about God? Our money is very much a spiritual thing. And it indicates a great deal of who or what it is that you worship. And I say that, but I want you to think about it for a second. You know, the first quote was, time is money, right? What do you spend the majority of your life doing? 
If you're a young person in here today, let me give you a, a, an insight into adulthood. If you're halfway responsible and halfway worth not shooting, you're going to get up and you're going to spend most of your life going to work for money. Okay, So when you start talking about this whole understanding of how, how significant money is, you spend the majority of your life trying to, to work to make money in order to survive. And so what you spend that money on is literally what you're giving your life to. And if we say we belong to Christ, if we say we belong to God, there needs to be a clear indication of what a significant portion of our life is being invested in. And, and I say that carefully because we're going to talk about that some more in a little bit what you're actually investing your life in because financially you are investing in something most people are investing in the world but as believers we're called to invest in christ and his kingdom in eternity john wesley said that the last part of a man to be converted is his wallet and of the ministry and the thousands of people that he ministered to, you know, there was this, this very clear understanding that someone can get saved, someone can go into the church, someone can begin serving, someone can begin like being involved in ministry, and yet he saw time and time again that the last thing that people were actually truly willing to surrender was their wallet. Like the financial aspect of their life was one of the hardest and most difficult to let go of and to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to surrender this to you, and I'm going to let you do and call me to do with this whatever you want me to do with it. It was the last thing. And we're talking about this this morning because if I, I do not want your money, our church does not want your money. You with me this morning? Now, now let's be honest. The church needs money in a lot of ways to to work and maneuver and do ministry and things like that. So we like it's kind of one of those things that's, it's in the mix of it, okay? But Graham Chapel is doing fine. So if you haven't been giving, I just want you to know like we're doing fine financially. We're not in a desperate need for money right now. And some people who are in leadership are like, "Don't say that." It's like, "No, let's be honest. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money." Okay? But the whole aspect for you being able to give is a benefit for you. It's not for the church. It's not for Christ. It's for you. And we need to understand as people, and you need to understand that you could be, you could say you love Jesus Christ, you're following Him, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're coming to church, you're doing all these things that you like, like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be doing this. And it might just be like the financial aspect of your life is the last thing that you have not surrendered. And really... It's a shame that we would let something so small as money that most people are very willing to part with anyways for certain things to keep us from being the man or woman of Christ that God has called us to be. From being spirit-filled, to have the power of Christ leaving us, the joy, the happiness that we could be missing just because we're denying this one aspect of our life to our Lord and Savior. Our focus passage is in Proverbs 3. It's verses 9 through 10. It's really short. And uh, I, I like this verse because we, we can do a lot with it even though it's short. So let's read this together. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, I know most of you don't have barns. 
And I know you're probably not growing grain, and hopefully you're being halfway decently Wesleyans and not drinking too much wine. But as we read Scripture, you need to understand that the financial aspect of life is kind of one of those things that, that God constantly promotes this idea of if you will surrender, if you will do this, if you will step out in faith and participate in this like I'm calling you to, there's some rewards and blessings to benefit from this, okay? And I want to be careful, and I just want to throw this up front because I'm going to repeat this because I don't want you to get misled. We don't preach health, wealth, and prosperity. You give $10 this morning, you're not going to get 100 Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I can't tell you that. I'm not God. I don't. I, other than preaching, I don't speak for Him. I'm not a prophet, despite what Destiny and Kiki says. I'm not a prophet. But there are a lot of promises that go along with us surrendering completely to the Lord. So point number one this morning is honoring the Lord with your money. We are called as believers to honor God with everything, and so we need to make sure that we honor God with our money. And we really need to take a step back and breathe and just remind ourselves of what the calling of being a Christian truly is. It's not a matter of meeting status quo or checkpoints or trying to just make sure you're doing all this stuff, but it is about a life of surrender. Okay? And that's something that we have to remind ourselves of constantly is that living a life of Christ is very much a life of surrender. It's not a life of just giving God lip service and then you clinging to certain little things in your life that you want to hang on to for yourself. That you want, that, that benefits you, that you choose. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to take passages of scripture out of the Bible and apply some of them to our life and then disregard others. And we, we don't get to do that. We don't get to pick and choose. It's a matter of, God, I surrender to you and I'm going to do everything that you've called me to do. So let's talk about what Jesus did for us. You believe Jesus bled and died for you? Did Jesus give it all? Does Jesus not call for us to give all? Is He not worthy to get all? If we really believe that, why do we withhold things from Him? We are called to honor God with all things in our life. And like I've said many times before, money might be the most important thing to you. It's not the most important thing to God. It's just one thing that God calls from all of your life. It's one small aspect. And the scary thing is, is that you could be sitting here this morning and you could have been tithing your whole life. You could have been giving money your whole life and yet not honoring God and what you're giving. Some of you could be giving above and beyond tithing and not honoring God with what you're giving. Some of you could have been giving your whole life and yet not honoring God because maybe you're not giving as much as God's calling you to and you're refusing to do that. And then if you're sitting here this morning and you're not giving to God and stewarding your finances well according to how God's called you to do that, then you're not honoring God. You with me? So you can give and not honor God. You need to know that this morning. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, as Jesus talked about money a lot, it's no coincidence that He takes His disciples and He sits down and He begins to observe this offering that's taking place as the people are coming and dropping their offering in this box. And the Jewish leaders had kind of set this up as kind of a spectacle of like, 
if you give, people will see you give and people will like, it's kind of a status symbol of like how much you can give and people can see it. And it was very much like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, you know, as people were giving. And so Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, so it was very obvious. What they gave was very obvious. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And sometimes we just have to take a step back and remind ourselves that Jesus is God, that he sees all and he knows all and he understands all. And I want to tell you this morning that God sees you, He knows you, and He understands you. You with me? Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but I do want you to understand, like even when the concept of tithing and giving 10%, which has been taught a lot, and we'll, we'll emphasize that more, talk about it a little more later on, but understanding that living off of $400 a month and tithing 10% versus living off $5,000 a month and tithing 10%, those are two totally different worlds. Jesus sees and understands that. I want you to know that this morning. They gave tiny portions. Like they may have gave great amounts compared to everyone else, but God saw right through it and understood that the widow had actually given more. And what seems like it's not much to the rest of the world, Christ saw right through it and understood exactly what the woman had done. And we still read about her 2,000 years later. You need to understand this morning that God sees you. He sees your situation. He knows what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. He knows your bills. He knows your finances. He knows, your, he knows everything that's going on in your life. You with me today? He sees and knows. And He understands. The main part about making sure that you honor God with your finances is not about the quantity, it's about the quality. It's about the way in which you give it. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're missing our Bible study on Wednesday nights, you need to come. It's really good. It's, it's podcast is on, on our website, and you can follow that. Um, and I do the same Bible study on the podcast. But in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul talked about taking up the collection for the believers in Jerusalem. And he said, look, if you feel called to give, then give. But if you don't, don't give. But if you do give, make sure you do it cheerfully with enthusiasm because if not, it's not honoring to the Lord. And so this morning you need to understand that you can be coming and you can give your 10%. You can give it every week for your entire life. But if you sit there and you drop it in the plate and you're just doing it because somebody told you that's what you're supposed to do and you don't really like doing it, what good is that? It may make you feel a little easier because you've done what you're supposed to do and now you can focus on some other things, but it's not honoring God if you're doing it begrudgingly. Any of you ever been guilted into doing something? You ever feel good about whenever you do something when you're guilted into it? No, you despise it, right? And you get frustrated with the people who guilt you into it. And then you get frustrated for who you're doing it for. And then it's almost like, you know, you ever heard the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? And it's like, if you're actually joyful about what you're doing, then it's never a punishment. Because you're happy to do it. It's a great experience. But if you do it begrudgingly, then it's all punishment. 
And that's what we do as believers. Like we do stuff because we feel guilted into it or we feel like, well, it's the right thing to do even though I don't want to do it. And for us to understand this morning that there needs to be an effort in our life that as we give to God, that we're not so much focused on the quantity, but we're focused on the quality in which we give it. Don't forget about Cain and Abel, where Cain brought the best of his first fruits, and Abel brought, or Cain, I'm sorry, Abel brought the best of his first fruits, Cain brought some, and it was just like this generic offering, and God didn't accept it. It would be a shame for you your entire life to try to give to the Lord and Him not even be accepting of the offering that you're giving. And you'll know it because you'll feel it. Because you won't do it with joy. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, okay, well, I love Jesus. I want to serve Him. I want to live for Him. I want to give, but I hate the idea of it. I hate it. I I don't feel like we can afford this. This is the thing. I encourage you as believers, to step out in faith and begin doing this. But don't just do it and forget about it until you have to come back and do it again. As you step out in faith and you begin to do this thing that God has called of your life, because He has called us to do this, that you pray and you say, God, I don't enjoy doing this, but I'm doing it because I want to do what's right I want to serve you. Help me to do this cheerfully. Help me to do this with genuineness. Help me to do this with enthusiasm. Because this is what I can tell you. Whenever I first started coming to church and I first got saved, and y'all have heard me tell this story before, the first time I dropped my offerings in the offering plate, it was begrudgingly. I did not enjoy that aspect of it. I did not understand why that was important. I did not understand the blessings from it. But I can tell you now, 20-something years later, as, as I've been practicing that in my life, that I can clearly see the blessings and the rewards and the things that God has done in my life as a result of doing that. And can I tell you this morning, it's like, yes, there have been financial blessings, but more importantly, there's been spiritual blessings. The opportunity to witness and minister to other people when God has your pocketbook is endless. And that's the most important thing. Because when you look at the New Testament, you look at what Jesus taught about money, it wasn't as much giving to the temple and giving to the, the, the religion or giving to the church as it was giving to those in need and being a blessing to others and loaning without expectation of interest and things like that. And so if God has you surrendered financially, it's not just going to be this whole focus on making sure you give your 10% every Sunday morning to the church, but it's going to be about giving in your life in so many more areas. It's going to open up so many more opportunities for ministry for you to proclaim Jesus and build His kingdom, which is so much more important. And if that doesn't appeal to you this morning, then you need to pray and say, God, help me in my relationship with you. Because... We need to be a lot more focused on the spiritual than we are the physical. Most people give their 10% and say, oh God, you better bless me for doing this because you know I don't want to do this. We pray and we say, I hope I I give 10, I hope I get 100 back. And we like expecting these physical blessings, but really it should be the spiritual that we're concerned with. Which takes us on to the next thing. And we'll say this and you be patient with me and just listen to me for a second before you check out. The 10% tithe that so many of us have heard taught our whole lives 
is very much an Old Testament concept. And it's not wrong, and it's not bad. Okay? I and my wife, we have lived on the 10% concept our, our whole lives in, 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 Christian, in Christianity, in ministry, and it's been very good to us. I can say that. It, it's been a great thing. We have not suffered from it at all. Okay, But I just want to be transparent with you this morning. The 10% tithe is an Old Testament concept. And when you look at the New Testament and you begin reading in the entire New Testament, there's not one time where Jesus or the apostles or anybody affirms the fact that there has to be this tithe that's being given. Now before some of you get up and dance a jig, it is not freeing of you to say that. Actually, I'm about to, to hurt you more. Because when you look at the New Testament, and you begin to read, and you look at Jesus, who refused all and gave all. And you look at the apostles, who refused and gave everything. And you look at the early church leaders, who sold their property, sold their possessions, and gave their money away, there's very much this understanding that God calls us to give all. And the 10% tithe is not a bad thing. But the sad truth of it is, is that many of us in this room, and many people in the church, have been limited by this 10% tithe because we've done it. We say, okay, I've, I've met my standard, you know, the bare minimum of what we have to do. Now I can move on and do the next thing. And the truth is, is that if you want to be sold out to Christ, you have to be sold out to Christ. Let, let, me, let me make it a little more realistic for you. Everybody in here, most of you got kids? If your kid was sick and dying right now, and you could sell everything you have and use every last penny and know that you could get them healed and better so that they would live a long and full life. How many of you would give every penny you have to do it? All right? You would do it for your kid. And then you look back and you think about God calling Abraham, who Abraham had already been very faithful and done everything that God asked him to do. And he says, Abraham, I want your kid. It was the most important thing in his life. The thing that Abraham probably would have given anything for to maintain. But God says, I need to know whether or not you're going to give that to me. And in reality, what's amazing is, is that God didn't need to know whether or not Abraham would be willing to give it. God needed Abraham to know whether or not he would be willing to give it. And you're sitting here this morning, you need to understand, it's like we've all been so worried about this 10% thing forever. Like, oh, we got to do this, or we're going to go to hell. It's like, no. Like, We'll talk some more about that in a second. But God wants so much more from you than just 10% in anything. He wants so much more. And it's not a matter of him coming and saying, I want your bank account and I want it right now because I don't know of anybody. 20-something years I've been saved. I've never met anybody that God said, God spoke to me and wanted me to give everything, so I gave up. I, I gave it all away. I've never met that person yet. Read about one person in Scripture that God did that to. But God 
needs for you to know whether or not you would give it all away right now. Because when you know whether or not you would give it all away, it changes everything. It changes your perspective. It changes your priorities. It changes everything in your life as to whether or not you're going to cling to things of the world or you're willing to give it all away because you're looking towards eternal things. The 10% rule has been a hindrance for years. And I'm telling you this morning, if you live by the 10% rule, it's not a bad thing. Like There are a lot of blessings that come with it. But I do want you to understand today that God knows you. He knows your heart. 10% for some of you isn't that much. 10% for some of you is quite painful. God understands your situations. He knows your circumstances. Don't feel like you have to live and die on the 10%. But you need to live and die on whether or not you're being obedient to what Christ is leading you to do. And if you're living with Him, you're communicating with Him, you're praying every day, God will lead you as to what is appropriate for you to give. It's a matter of quality, not quantity. Point number two, got to trust in God to fill your barns and your vats. Again, you may not be farming, you may not be making wine, but you need to remember there's always this common theme in Scripture and in our understanding that God wants to replenish you so that you can continue to be a giver. If God's nature is that He is a giver, God wants you to be a reflection of who He is in this world. He wants us to be a giver. And for us to be givers, we have to have something to give, right? So there's an understanding that God wants to replenish us so that we can continue to be givers. And I couldn't find who said this, but I thought it was a great quote. But it said, faith is not measured by how much you give, but rather it's measured by how much you keep for yourself. Faith is not measured by how much you give, but rather it's measured by how much you keep for yourself. And one of our greatest temptations in our life is not going to be to not give. Because what I've kind of noticed over the past several years is most people are very willing to, to give money in order to make stuff go away. You with me? Like you'll give your 10% so you won't feel guilty about it to make that go away. Whenever you're truly not surrendered, you just do it because you want to feel better. And you see someone who's in need and you give them $5 because it's easier to give them $5 than it is to give them five minutes. The truth is, is that the amount of our surrender to God greatly depends on what we're keeping for ourselves. And that's a hard truth to accept. You look at the Old Testament, and the Old Testament teaching on finances and honoring God with your money is very much a kind of tit-for-tat thing. It's kind of like this, if you do this, and I'll do this. And you see that in Deuteronomy, even with the law. It's like, you honor this, you, you obey this, and I'll do this, I'll bless you, I'll keep you. You give this, you, honor, you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll bless you, I'll fill your barns, it'll be overflowing. It, it's this kind of reciprocating blessing from the Lord. And it's very much focused on physical blessings. And so I just challenge you this morning, if you want to focus on the Old Testament way of teaching, then you need to understand that you're focusing on physical worldly blessings coming from that, which is what a lot of people love to focus on when it comes to honoring God with our finances. When you look at the New Testament, it's very different. 
there's still a promise of blessing and reward, but the blessing and reward is not so much of the physical nature anymore or worldly nature, but rather it's the spiritual and eternal. But you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths do not eat and rust does not destroy. It's a spiritual, it's an eternal understanding. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the, the author says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so really it's kind of come into this understanding in our lives is how much are we satisfied with God? How much do we want the house and the car, uh, the boat, the, the other car, the motorcycle, whatever? <coughs> you know, how much do we focus on the physical things versus how much does God satisfy us? I don't know if you've ever thought about it before. I, I remember being younger in my faith and sitting around thinking like, Heaven doesn't sound like much fun. You know, we've been there 10,000 years and everybody's still singing. It's like, dude, after about 45 minutes of church, I'm ready to go. Some of you are like chomping at the bit now. And you think about heaven and you're just like there and you're in the presence of God and we're going to be worshiping Him and He's got creatures just sitting around who just says the same thing over and over again. That's pretty annoying. I got a kid who says the same thing over and over again. It's really annoying. There's a lot of things about heaven that doesn't sound great because heaven, the, the greatest thing about heaven is we're going to be with Christ. We're going to be with God our Father. And if He's not enough for you, man, it's like, what do you have to look forward to? No wonder we're focusing on things of the world rather than focusing on eternal things. You look at that verse from Hebrews 13.5. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has promised I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. God is saying, I'm enough, I'm not going to leave you, I'll take care of you. Is God enough for you? And honoring God with our money is very much an act of faith. And maybe some of us in here this morning just really need to step out on faith. It's not easy, it's not convenient. I didn't think it was convenient when I started. And now that I've done it for a while, I, I mean, I could tell you time and time again, it's like, I cannot tell you how much the Lord has blessed me in my own life doing that, even when there were times where we didn't have the money to give. But being faithful anyway, it's amazing how God just like turns around. And like I said, it's not so much about the, being blessed financially or or with worldly things, but really it's more spiritual, like, when you begin to surrender in all aspects of your life, it's amazing how the spiritual things begin to be more prevalent and more um, present. And you begin to notice that and see it. And it's much better than the physical things. Point number three, beware of what happens when you don't. I mean, I mean you got to understand this morning that, okay, we, we talk a lot about what God's promised if you do give. And so you can cling to Old Testament promises, you can cling to New Testament promises, but you got to be aware of what happens if you don't. And I'm going to share this with you this morning. I'm, I'm trying to give you guys an understanding of freedom. I told you I wasn't going to throw out cliche verses and just the same old thing, but I really want to give you guys freedom in this to do what you feel like you, you, you should do in your relationship with the Lord. But if you begin to read Scripture, I couldn't find any passage or anything that indicates that God ever said He would punish you for not giving financially. And that's really 
That, that's a big deal because when you look at the law in the Old Testament, he, he very much said, if you do this, I'll bless you. And then the second half of that chapter in Deuteronomy, he says, if you don't do this, this is what I'm going to punish you with. But you never see that with finances. But you need to understand this morning, you not giving, you're, do, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're not doing God a disservice. It's for you. It's for your benefit. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. For a lot of people who say that they love Christ, money has always been a hindrance for a lot of people. And when you look at that verse right there, it's not saying that money in itself is evil, but rather it's the root of all kinds of evil. And so when you refuse to give, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of opening yourself up. When you refuse to surrender in that area of your life, you're opening yourself up for, for sin. So not giving financially may not necessarily be a sin since God doesn't ever talk about punishment. But what it is, it's kind of like stagnant water. It sets the tone, it sets the atmosphere for stuff to just breed and compound. And, and anybody who's been saved at any amount of time who sit back and just watch sin and had to deal with people living in sin, like you will know, it might be small starting out, but it always grows. It never stays the same. Sin grows. It's like a cancer. And when it starts growing... There's only one thing that can stop it, and that's the power of Christ. It is the only cure. But whenever we, whenever we don't give, whenever we don't honor God, whenever we don't steward our finances well, it's not necessarily the fact that you're committing a sin in that moment when you're not giving to the Lord, but rather you're setting an environment in your life of saying, in this area of my life, I'm not surrendering to you. I'm not trusting in you to work and move. I'm not trusting in you to, to show me the blessings, to show me what happens whenever I honor you. And if you're willing to rob God of one thing, it won't be long before there'll be something else that you'll rob Him of. And then it'll be another, and then it'll be another. And sin will slowly creep in, and then it will take over in your life. As we finish up, Just go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks a lot about money. And in chapter 6, verse 21, we get that famous verse that says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then skip to verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I just want to challenge you guys, you know, it's like, Look at your account, look at your finances, and look at where the majority of your money is going to. The track record of your expenses will reveal a lot about who it is or what it is that you're serving or worshiping. Look about how much money you're spending on things or stuff or yourself or someone else. It will be the telltale.
today is not to benefit our church. I told you earlier, uh, our church is doing well. I'm very thankful for that. And our church does well because people give. And so this morning, if you're struggling with it, and it's like one of those things, it's like, oh, you know, he's just wanting money. It's like, I'm encouraging you this morning. If you don't feel like you can trust Graham Chapel with your money, go give to another church. But don't just think about giving to the church, but you go back and you look at the Sermon on the Mount because the majority of what Jesus talked about was giving to the poor and needy. It's not just a matter of giving 10%. It's a matter of being surrendered in your life in this area, in this thing, and honoring God with it. And I don't want to lose anybody. I mean, I don't want you to go to another church, but it is much more important for you to be surrendered in your life and be where you're supposed to be with Christ than it is for you to be here and us just to be able to count you as a number. Because as long as you're here and you're not being obedient in this area, you're not being the follower of Christ that you're called to be. And so I say that. I give you permission Find another church that you feel like you can trust and, and give to in this way and surrender in this way. If this isn't the place, find one. Because this is something that God very much calls us to do that. And, and, but it's not only giving to the church, it's, it's giving to people in need. It's, it's ministry. It's this area of your life. It's surrendering it to God and using it for His glory, His purpose, His kingdom. Because that's the attitude we should have. It's not a matter of just trying to get more or do more. We're doing fine. But if we care about you enough, we care about your, your spiritual life enough, then you need to be somewhere where you can honor the Lord. And I strongly promote that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this day and this time together. Jesus, thank you for your word. I just pray, God, that you would speak to the hearts and lives of everyone here everyone who will listen in later on. God, you know. You know the depths of our heart and soul. You know what goes on through our mind. For those who love you and want to serve you, God, I pray that they would just humble themselves and say, God, help me to do this. Help me to do this the right way. Lord, there's great freedom in, in you. There's great freedom in following Christ. This is not anything to enslave us. But God, this is all these things to humble ourselves and submit to you. That's to set us free from the world. We're not called to live like the world. We're called to set apart and to be holy. Help us to be holy in things as small as honoring you with our finances. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.